startup for startup. Sharing knowledge, experience and insights from one startup to another. Hi, I know you've come to hear about sales and compensation models and you probably don't have much patience to listen to us talk about anything else. So I'll make it super quick. We can call it presenting myself and the podcast against the clock. Oh, that's not very catchy. Never mind. The clock is ticking. I'm Danny Lester. I've been working at Monday since early 2020. And when Guy, the senior producer of the show, approached me and wondered if I might be the narrator of the podcast, I didn't really think twice. This podcast is part of the Startup for Startup initiative, powered by Monday.com. Besides the podcast, the initiative includes a Facebook community, a website, and more things you'll be aware of soon. For me, being part of an initiative that simply wants to share knowledge and insights between startups, well, what can possibly go wrong? Oh, well, so what have we come to talk about? Sales is an issue every founder has to face at one point or another, but I wouldn't say that this episode is exclusively for founders or salespeople. Since we're about to talk about incentives, you might find this relevant even if you're neither a sales rep or a founder. You see, not very long ago, I found myself on a date with a guy who happened to be a salesman. Naturally, we got to talk about the sales world, and I told him that Monday salespeople don't get a commission when they close a deal. He was shocked. How come? Are you sure you're doing well over there? And of course, he declared he would never work in such a model. I couldn't care less. Actually, to tell the truth, I was happy to know I wouldn't run into him in the office someday in the future. But it did lead me to wonder why the company I work in decided to go for a model that's not common at all in the sales world, a flat compensation model. Look, I'm a big believer in our flat comp model. That's Jameson Powell, VP of Sales at Monday. After more than 20 years working and managing sales in the tech industry, he's now in charge of Monday's sales for the whole of North America. For me to say, you know, we shouldn't do it anymore, uh, I don't think you'd see me say that here. I think I've seen the benefits of it in action and I've put 100% into it and totally supported it and we've gotten the results to prove it. Sorry, Jameson. Although I can tell you're an experienced professional and very confident in the model you're using, I'm suspicious. As I kept on talking with different people at Monday, I still wasn't convinced that our model was as good as Jameson thought it was. After all, there's no way so many successful companies work according to the standard model if it's not really good. So what stands behind this flat compensation model? Why would I want to deprive my team of such an important incentive? And what other ways are there to incentivize salespeople? Well, I thought I found the beginning of the answer when I came across a TED lecture by Dan Pink. It's not obvious at first what it has to do with our topic, but trust me. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, take a look at this. He shows a slide with a straightforward title, The Candle Problem. 
Underneath the title, there's a simple drawing of a table. And on the table, there is a candle, some thumbtacks in a box, and some matches. Your job is to attach the candle to the wall so the wax doesn't drip onto the table. The solution is simple. It's always madly simple in these kinds of riddles. You take the box that the thumbtacks are in, attach it to the wall with a couple of thumbtacks, and put the candle in. So now the box is a platform for the candle. Ta-da! A few years after this experiment, Professor Sam Glucksman from the psychology department of Princeton University used the candle problem in an experiment of his own. He divided the participants into two different groups. The first group were told they'd be timed in order to establish an average time to typically solve this sort of problem. The second group was told something different. If you're in the top 25% of the fastest times, you get $5. If you're the fastest of everyone we're testing here today, you get $20. $20 for a few minutes? That's a good motivator. So who performed better? The first group, by far. Actually, on average, the second group was three and a half minutes slower than the first group. The group that had no rewards or incentives of any kind. Now this makes no sense, right? I mean, I'm, I'm an American, I believe in free markets, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? If you want people to perform better, you reward them, right? Bonuses, commissions, their own reality show, incentivize them. That's how business works. But that's not happening here. This is one of the most robust findings in social science and also one of the most ignored. Yes, folks, you heard right. Incentives don't work. But if so, how come the huge majority of salespeople around the world still work based on incentives? The benefits in a standard compensation model is you kind of feel like um, there's no cap. Your earnings is unlimited based on your potential and um, based on your production. So I think there's that high belief model in yourself and that, that belief also in you know, just really high earnings potential. It's attractive to the industry. That's why it's in place. But there's a lot of nuances to those models. Those nuances Jameson talks about are critical. Compensation is there to drive a certain behavior, and the business usually decides what behavior they want to drive, right? And they're basically looking at everyone as coin-operated individuals. So how do we you know, drop the coin in and get the outcome we're after? And with that, they come up with some type of a model. For those of you who don't know about salespeople's contracts, we would add briefly that the standard model would be 50% of your earnings is base and 50% of your earnings is your variable. That's your commission. Uh, how that commission is paid out, whether it's monthly or quarterly, um, varies. And you know what actually moves the needle varies. There's a lot of ways to break it down, and this is why it can be confusing. Listening to Jameson... We should remember that his perspective is very specific. He's a VP. He's not the salesman out there in the field fighting to sign another important client. 
That's why we approached another person that worked for a few years according to the compensation model, Tomas Pereira, an account executive at Monday. I've been in sales for about six, seven years now, and it's always been a compensation model, um, specifically within tech sales, which is very much so driven by uh, big deals and closing nice opportunities. Since he started working in sales in 2015, right after graduating, Tomas's experience in sales was good and his performance was great. Not exactly like the candle problem claims it should be. I enjoyed it. You know, there are a lot of things to enjoy about it. You know, the the thrill of, you know, getting something over the line right before the quarter ends, you know, making a, a large amount of sum in an instant or, you know, over the course of a few years, you know, those big wins were definitely a driving factor. Is it just me or do we have a conflict here? On one hand, we have experiments showing that incentives hurt people's performance. On the other hand, we have Tomas one of the many salespeople out there, claiming... Those big wins were definitely a driving factor. So, who's right? Dilemma. There are plenty of in-between options that are not the classic 50% base salary, 50% commission model. In order to check out some of these options, we talked with Dr. Guy Hochman, who did his postdoc in the business school at Duke University. His field is behavioral economics. So behavioral economics takes the idea of economics from one uh, from the one hand that explains what needs to be done and takes psychology which says what people actually do and combine the two in order to create interventions, to create situations, to create environments that facilitate or that promote better uh, behavior. Dr. Hochman took part in quite a few experiments, some of them known worldwide. His experiments look into the power of incentives and the best way to use these. Some of the results were not surprising at all. For example, most people said they'd rather get money as a bonus instead of some sort of voucher or a thank you message from their boss. Other results were a little more surprising, like realizing the power of simply asking people what kind of bonus they want. Although there's no doubt that most of them will go for the money anyway. What we, we find, and we find it in many experiments, is when you give people a choice and when they choose money, the negative effect of money disappears. Good employees who don't get uh, you know, incentivized based on their performance uh, become uh, upset. So I don't suggest not to pay them, but I, I, I'm saying that there are different ways to give them money in a way that will not lead to a negative effect. By negative effect, Dr. Hochman is referring to the longer effect the bonus has. After your employees have got their extra 100 bucks, what's their future performance like? Dr. Hochman claims unequivocally, it decreases. Money uh, reduces intrinsic motivation because it's it's been perceived as something manipulative. You know, the boss is using money to tell me what to do. But uh, once I have a choice and I choose money, they gave me a choice. So I can't tell myself, you know, they're trying to, to control me. An interesting experiment Dr. Hochman has conducted took place in Intel. In the experiment, they gave different rewards to the employees. Money, a voucher for a pizza, a thank you text message, and warm verbal appreciation. The good news? All of the above increased the employee's performance. However, 
The problem was that uh, when we used money, or, and even when we used the pizza meal voucher, after they got it, there was a, a significant decrease in their performance. So basically what it means is that the company pays 100 shekels to lose, uh, on average, about 6-7% of uh, performance. There were a few interesting things that came out of this experiment. The data showed that the pizza voucher and the money ended up hurting performance. But it also showed that there were a couple of actions that actually avoided this decrease. First, the personal and simple thank you gave nothing but an increase. Second, the choice. When people got to choose their bonus, there was no decrease in their performance once they got it, no matter what they chose. Wait. These experiments are indeed eye-opening, but I find it hard to take their conclusions and apply them to a sales department. It's hard to imagine a company approaching potential salespeople and saying, What would you like your incentives to be? No, it doesn't happen. But though I've never heard of a company asking its people to choose their incentives, there are companies that give a variety of incentives. And these are not necessarily commission-based. One of these companies is Monday. But don't worry, we're not going to exalt Monday's model here. We gave both Jameson and Tomas our word. You can talk as openly as you want about Monday's model without getting fired. We want to hear your honest perspective. So, how does a company such as Monday motivate its salespeople? How does it affect their performance? What are its downsides? And which company shouldn't adopt such an approach? When Tomas just started the process of joining Monday, he didn't know anything else other than compensation models. So when he first heard that Monday didn't have compensation at all, not even 10%, he was a little shocked. Enter Carlin Hughley. It's her job to explain what stand behind this unusual model to candidates. I recruit for our consulting and customer success groups here in the US. Carlin has been recruiting for sales positions for quite some time now, and a bunch of Monday's sales team came through her. I'm probably cutting myself short here, but at least 40 people. It's closer to 50 or even 80. Depends if you're listening in 2021 or 2023, but whatever. Since Tomas didn't know much about the model, and it was far from anything he was used to, Carlin's first mission was to explain the basics. She dialed his number, waited on the line, and then... Wait, sorry for being a bummer. A phone. I realize it's nice to add sound effects, but we're not in the 1990s anymore. They probably use Zoom or something. Anyway, Thomas and Carlin had a talk. She basically, you know, said that we're doing something very unique here at Monday that is not really widely adopted, if at all, in a lot of major tech. And um, we do an all-in base salary. So what that means is we don't have commission and we don't have bonuses. Since then, Monday has added bonuses to the sales team. We'll get to that later. Don't worry. She gave some, you know, very structured reasons as to why our team was finding success. The main reason why we have this structure in place is to eliminate the chances of creating or fostering an unhealthy competitive environment. And on the sales side of the business, it's really allowed us to instill and maintain a customer-centric 
team cell environment. It was interesting. Again, I had never heard of it before, so I didn't really know how to initially digest it until the call was over. And I was starting to think about things that maybe were important to me um, in my life at the time, both as a sales rep and as you know, a human being. This digesting Tomas is talking about is one of the main issues a flat compensation model creates to a company. Since most of the salespeople, especially in North America, are not used to such a model, they are very suspicious. And they should be. The digesting includes, you know, a, a realization of what I like about the current model. You know, what are things that I would be willing to give up or would have to give up in order to move forward with something like this. So at first I was almost like putting marbles on one side of a piece of paper and marbles on the other, like, you know, what, what do I like best? And so it, it was a lot of understanding, you know, the pros and cons. Jameson also had his own concerns in his early stages. How do you actually retain great talent if they're going to overproduce, if you can get them to overproduce? How do you recruit great talent that can you know, crush their numbers and uh, be somewhat of a pace setter? Obviously, in a con column, it was, you know, do I limit my own earnings potential um, if, I'm, if I'm used to and driven to overachieve my goal? How do you keep people overachieving their goal? Don't they want to stop <laughs> once they get to 100% or 105, 110? Or, you know, how do they keep going? You know, my status in the city, how much I was paying for rent, um, what type of salesperson I wanted to be, what the future was going to look like for sales. So both Jameson and Tomas had their concerns. For Jameson, it was more about his ability to recruit and manage the team. And for Tomas, it was about the money and stability. But there was one more thing that Tomas thought about. I was a little hesitant because I knew how well Monday was doing. And I thought that having this sort of compensation-free model was a way for the organization to essentially hire a bunch of reps that they know are going to do extremely well because of all of the inbound activity and because of the notoriety of the name. And essentially, it's from like a selfish perspective, if that makes sense. You know, they knew that people were going to be doing really well. That is definitely not the impression you want to make on a great salesperson you want to be part of your team. That's why Jameson and Carlin have a few aces up their sleeves, besides the fact that they offer a high base salary. One thing that would really help give candidates the bigger picture is the stock options simulator. So we'll walk them through like, this is the amount of options you'll be granted. This is the current strike price. This is what your options can look like as Monday continues to grow in our evaluations. Another way Monday tries to motivate its salespeople is with annual bonuses, which weren't part of the model when Tomas had just arrived. Actually, when I heard about the bonuses, it seemed to me like cheating. Is there a real difference between a commission-based model and a bonus that obviously has something to do with your performance? We call it a bonus, but you could look at it like commission if you wanted to, although it's annual. Um, and I think candidates love the idea that they can earn more beyond just a base, even though the base is friendly. Um, and I always highlight that it's a target bonus. So first and foremost, the company has to hit 100% of our goals. And then from there, the employee has to hit their goals too. That way, your bonus depends not only on yourself, but also on your colleagues' performance. It reminds me of a part of my talk with Dr. Hochman, in which we talked about team bonuses. 
Surprisingly, Dr. Hochman claims that his studies showed no difference performance-wise between individual bonuses and team bonuses. However, Monday's bonuses model is in fact some sort of combination between individual and team performance. What makes it different is the fact that these bonuses are not monthly or quarterly, like commissions usually are, but annually. Hold on though. Dr. Hochman's studies demonstrate not only the power of multiple rewards, but also the importance of other types of rewards. We've been talking about stock options and bonuses for a few minutes, but both are money after all. I think it also helps to use success stories. I mean, I'll talk about how I've seen people grow. Saying that, Carlin refers to another tool in her kit. Jameson calls it the career path. It's quite exciting, actually, to see people achieve what the career path has, is designed to do. Um, we've built an accelerated path to seniorship, and we've made it very accessible to all. There's a handful of people I could talk about who, just in my time being here, they were in one role and then they were promoted into another role, or they were able to move into a different department. So I do think we really foster an environment where people can grow organically. It wasn't an easy decision to make, but eventually Tomas decided to go for it. Hallelujah. But it wasn't enough. Thomas has been great, but when I was interviewing him, I wondered, like, is he too money-driven? When people are solely focused on money, I worry that, you know, they're not going to see that return on money in the first year or two years here at Monday. And that was before we even had the bonus component. So it's just always a risk of, like, if someone is solely driven by money, will they leave for an opportunity that, you know comes across their desk with even more money. I'm looking for internal motivators being like customer centricity and providing value in a meaningful way versus, you know, how you're benefiting yourself. I was pretty, um, I w maybe aggressive isn't the right word, but I was very, I took a very hard stance on my self-worth and it may have come off as if my number one motivating factor is you know, making as much money as I can. Um, I'd be lying to you if I said that isn't a motivating factor. It is, you know, you're in sales because of the ability to create as much personal wealth as possible. And I raised these concerns to Jameson and Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell is his direct manager and Mitchell had an additional conversation with him and felt comfortable uh, moving forward, knowing that, you know, there might be, um, slight risks. I think that there maybe was some hesitancy around me that I wasn't the type of sales rep that they wanted. And that's the one person we hired where I was wrong in my assessment. Recruiting is probably the biggest challenge that this model brings to a company. We can divide this challenge into two. First, as we just demonstrated, the salesperson's specific character this model fits to and the struggle of understanding your candidate's match. This is not the only challenge this model forces the company to deal with. I think the risk that you take with this kind of structure is losing out on some really strong sales talent. I mean, naturally, sales professionals are motivated by 
commission uh, to one extent. Well, it's different from one person to the next. So we do miss out on a lot of strong talent, but it's okay. We've, we've found really great talent and we brought in really great talent that is aligned. But it, it, it makes the pool a bit more narrow. We do lose out on the opportunity to hire the cream of the crop of sales reps because they want an uncapped opportunity to make as much money as I can. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Having said that, it's important to point out one of this model's biggest advantages. It allows Jameson to manage his people very flexibly without getting shot by some random salesman who just got moved into a different role where his commission takes a hit. What do we mean by manage people flexibly? Well, it's time for... Case Study. There's been a lot of hiring in Monday sales across many different teams. Some of these teams are already running and some are being built whilst the recruiting is still underway. Jameson noticed an issue. He wanted to grow fast, but there were multiple managers, multiple needs, and only a certain number of people in recruitment and sales that could dedicate their time to this massive hiring process. The solution Jameson found is surprisingly simple. He took one of his guys and made him a team builder. Now I can put that one individual solely on building out the next team. And after they built out that next team, I promoted from within, put someone on that new team, and then had that individual build out another team. This this made it you know easier for everybody. Um, took away some of the problems for a lot of the teams where they didn't have to focus on hiring and they could focus on results. It helped HR because they really want to coordinate with one person on those meetings and schedules. It helped with me because I knew there was a high level of consistency in what we were going to be doing. So. You know, again, this allows us to be really flexible and move folks around and do things that you know, other people wouldn't be able to do. All right, this flat compensation model sounds fantastic. Too good to be true, really. It's not only reducing the bad blood between competing salespeople inside the department, but also gives great flexibility to the management. In addition to that, the diversity of the incentives helps to create great performance. I'm convinced it's the right model, although there are challenges in the recruitment process. So how come most companies don't work according to this model? Why wouldn't you go for it yourself? Well, there are good reasons. Don't rush. Jameson and Tomas have some insights. I think you need a bit of a foundation, or at least be able to see that a foundation could could be there for you before you consider a model. Because Monday has such a high volume of warm inbound interest, it's a lot easier to incorporate a no commission model because of the influx of opportunities that are coming your way. You know, it's the ultimate luxury what we have with our inbound lead flow. But if you're working at a company that is primarily strategic outbound, you're going in there, you're hunting for your own opportunities. You know, the motivating factor is, you know, getting that big whale, that big opportunity, um, you know, bringing in the deals for yourself. Um, without that, I don't think sales floors within that organization can run properly. I actually have a conversation this Friday about it with another company, a UK-based company. I think it really depends. I think it depends on, you know, what you're trying to achieve. I think it depends on if you've got a lot of the things in order. Like, Monday is, is a performance marketing machine. 
and it's got an outstanding product, right? And it's got, a, you know, a bit of a no-touch engine already built in. When you have those kind of predictors um, that you can rely on, you can take some some chances around where, where do we want to build this next? What can we do with this? And I think that stuff is very transferable into our model. That's something that I think is probably like one of the biggest factors as to why Monday can successfully implement this is the fact that we've got so much rich inbound attention coming to the sales reps that there's always there's always an opportunity for you to close something and to work a deal. But if you're, you know, essentially hunting for yourself and, you know, your metrics are driven by activity, it, it, it makes things a little difficult, especially for the managers at those companies and the executives at those companies. It's def definitely, definitely a privilege. That's a, a word you can for sure use to describe it. If you're going to build a completely outbound engine, you know, where you're going to be targeting and cold calling and, and such, then your cost would be quite high to actually put out a high base model. You would also want to award on the achievement of closing the deal. You don't want to mistake activity for achievement. So you would push to say, well, I'll pay you when the deal comes in and when we get paid and, and whatnot. So I think it really depends. I think you need a bit of a foundation in order to implement something like there's a, a lot of factors that go into it. So I don't know if I have a definitive answer, but I'd say think of all of those things at least at, from a start before you make a decision. At the end of the day, there's no one definitive answer. There's no absolute right or absolute wrong. There's a large gray area between the classic compensation model and the flat compensation model. And the best way to understand what's right for your company is by understanding your needs and trying different methods until you get to the formula that works for you. There are so many different options, and in this episode, we talked about just a few. For example, Dr. Hochman also told us about a donation bonus an insurance company implemented. The company told its employees that the winning team would decide who the company would donate to in the upcoming Passover and the employee's performance improved. If you expected to get an unequivocal answer whether there's a perfect model to incentivize salespeople with, I'm sorry to disappoint you. You won't get that in this episode. We do say that today we know there are plenty of options out there, and there's really no need to stick with what you know for decades. Don't get me wrong, it might be good for you, this model you've known for decades, but not necessarily. A different model might be worth a shot. What I'm suggesting to companies is to use a randomized control trials or what we call A-B testing. So uh, you can try uh, several things. So you give to, uh, to one group, you give a, a gift. And to another group, you give a certificate. And then you, you compare. So you, you measure the, the base level of productivity before you administer these bonuses or before you administer this payment or a reward structure, and then you uh, examine what happens after, you know, you get it, and then so you can understand what happens before and what happens after. So it's very simple to implement and very simple to, uh, to measure and to see if it has a good or, or not a good uh, effect. We need to understand that, you know, the, the, the desire to be appreciated, the desire to be noticed, this is a very basic human need. And so uh, it's it shared by people from different uh, professions and from different, you know, uh, jobs. And so people want to feel like they're being appreciated. 
so much for listening. You're more than welcome to hit the follow button if you want to be updated when a new episode is out. You can also join our Facebook community, Startup for Startup UK, where you'll be able to find more content about plenty of topics we all deal with. You might also be interested in our website, startupforstartup.com. I want to thank Gaiben Noon, our writer and senior producer, Advash, Isgal, and Daria Wertheim, our content editors. Leo Krengel is the captain of the ship, and Yoav Ayalon is our opera singer. Our dear Hilly Boymel and Gal Rodati are our mix engineers. I'm Danny Lester, and we'll see you in the next episode.